Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast where I don't feel like I'm dying anymore. I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beige. I'm glad he's not dead. Yes, me too. Today we are talking about not that, we're talking about Star Wars. We're talking about Solo, kinda. I think we're gonna go pretty quick <laughs> through it because it turns out that both of us have like a lot of nits to pick with it and there are things that we like about it too, but... The, we like to talk about like Star Wars and like a positive back and forth geeking out over it. And looking at our notes, we don't think that's gonna happen. So, oh, and the last time we did an episode like this, it was the Rogue One one, and we that was the most we've ever disagreed about Star Wars. And I have a feeling that this may be similar to that. So we'll see. Because uh, we want to keep it positive, like you said. In general, yes. So. Should we run through? Let's talk about what we like first. Okay. Yeah, but, absolutely. Oh, I don't so, really think there's much spoilery in this movie. There's one thing for sure, but a lot of it was like, it was a prequel. So it's like, we kind of knew all of this stuff already. And if you have watched Clone Wars or actually Rebels, I don't remember which one. If you've watched either Clone one of those Wars? two, the one thing that's a spoiler isn't actually a spoiler. Right. And I'd seen some, or actually Austin had told me that there was a rebel spoiler in it, and that he that was all he had seen and knew about it. And he's going to see it tonight as we're recording this, so I'm I'm interested to see his take on it as well. But it's uh, it was something that I got really excited. I was watching the entire movie for, and it happened in the last five minutes of the of the show. So yeah. I was disappointed in that because I knew that something was coming, but it made me pay attention to a lot of stuff in the movie in the background and as things were happening. So it actually didn't, knowing that made me pay attention, just knowing it was coming and not knowing what it was made me pay a lot more attention. Okay. Well, that's, that's something at least. Um, I, I mean, I guess from here on out, we'll go full spoilers, but we should probably just say like, I think we both thought it was okay. I actually ended up liking it a lot. This, okay. I thought that the second half was way better than the first in general, but I ended up, I walked out liking it. I don't think I'm going to see it again in the theater just because of the number of things going on in life, cost, and uh, time, but I probably would otherwise. But I, in the end, I ended up liking it quite a bit, even though I have a lot of nits to pick. I know I like it about 10 times more than I like Rogue One. Yeah, and I like Rogue One way more than this. I I I don't dislike this movie. I don't think it's a horrible movie at all. I think it's an okay action movie. Um I don't think it's a good Star Wars movie. I think is my problem with it. Like okay. it's it's way down there on Star Wars rankings for me. It's probably like right above episode 1 and 2, but I think Revenge of the Sith beats it out and that's that's kind of sad that it's so low for me. Um mm. I don't know. It's just it it I walked out of it feeling the way that I feel when you walk out of a Marvel movie that's just okay. Like it's better than most movies, right? Like if you're holding right, it up against yeah. movies in theaters, this is better than most of them. But if you're holding right. it up against just like if you walked out of like, you know, Ant-Man the first time and it's like that was okay. Like, but, yeah. you know, it was pretty good, but, like, compared to the rest of Marvel, it's just okay. Right. Where it's fun to watch, and it was like, that's the way Ant-Man was. It's like, I haven't seen it again, but I need to before the next one comes out. But I watched it, I was like, oh, that was a fun movie, I liked that. And then I never really thought anything else about it. But it was probably better than any of the other action movies that came out that summer that I didn't watch. Right, uh, and so, if you're talking about it in terms of all movies, I would give it, like I don't know, like a B+, plus maybe, somewhere in yeah, there. If you're talking about absolutely. it... 
on like the Star Wars grading curve, I give it like a D, maybe a D minus. Like I, it didn't work for me very well. I'd say it's solidly in the middle for me, just in terms of that. I was thinking of where it would fall on the the scale when you said it was just barely above one and two. That um, I mean, I would actually probably put it right at the episode four mark for me, which is my least favorite of the uh, original trilogy. I know some people are going to think that's sacrilege, but really that's only one up from you where like right there it's uh because i don't like revenge of the sith i think it's better than all the prequels and uh, well and better than rogue one so it's probably the fifth from the top or fifth from the bottom for me so i uh, like i can see why it's there for you i kind of thought it would land there for you let's talk a little bit about and we're gonna get into spoilers here but really this is like not a movie that you can spoil like everything in this was it's all been talked about before so don't let that stop you but if you're super super spoiler averse here's your warning i suppose um but i want to talk about things i like so I liked Lando a lot. He's probably my favorite yes. part of the movie. I liked the Castle Run. It worked for me, even though I've seen a lot of complaints about it. But I like that part mm. personally. Um, I like seeing the Falcon in its like original pristine state. That was oh, pretty I cool. Know. I um, loved and they the way that they showed it in space when it was pristine. I was actually amazed at how different it looked when they had made it look perfect. I didn't honestly expect it to be white. I'm not sure why, but I didn't expect the outside of it to be white. Yeah, yeah, it was it was cool to see that. And then I, I liked seeing Corellia. I liked seeing Kessel. Both of them just like added to the lore. I mean, we knew about both of them, but now we've seen right. them in person. So it wasn't like a, a brand new revelation, which was kind of sad, but it was fine. Like it was cool. Okay, now we've seen them on screen. That's nice. And right. then um, I really liked that they were tying Darth Maul and all of the stuff from Clone Wars and Rebels back yeah. into the mainline movies. That worked for me a lot. And that was kind of the one true spoilery thing at the end of the movie is that yeah. um, Han Solo's girlfriend, Kira, 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 um, yeah. was working for a guy who was working for Darth Maul the whole time as part of like the crime syndicate. So those were the things I liked. And then the one thing that like, and I'll get to my nits to pick here in a minute. But the one thing that I didn't mind that I thought was going to bug me was the actor playing Han Solo. Like I know, right? Yeah, I'm the yeah, same. I thought way. it was going to really bug me, and I was like, no, it was fine. Like it. I didn't think it was amazing, but it was totally okay. And the thing that Jennifer and I were talking about it while we were in the movie is that I expected going in to not like this guy as Han because in all of the trailers, it was like, okay, he's a little awkward and I didn't really buy him as Han Solo. But in the movie itself, it took me maybe five minutes and I didn't even think about it anymore. And I think the reason for that is that he had those cadences, he had the mannerisms down, but he was absolutely absolutely not doing a Harrison Ford impersonation. It was not him trying to be someone else. It was just him being that character and kind of adopting those mannerisms. And I really appreciated that and liked it a lot. Yeah, he worked for me. It was totally fine. But okay, what do you like about the movie? And then I got to get all these like nits to pick off my chest. I'm just going to barrel through them. But I want to hear what you like first. Okay, so I'll go through my likes and, like you said, just the just kind of theirs. Um, I like the new Han. Like I said, the uh, he wasn't doing a Harrison Ford impression. That was the top of my list. Um, I liked that they had actually gone through, like we knew and from the old EU, that he was part of the Empire and the deserter, that he was one of the troopers on the ground doing stuff and ended up leaving. I liked that because at least I'm remembering him as being a deserter. Uh, I may not have gotten – he may not have been in the old stuff, but I remembered it that he was, so I was really happy about that. I really 
really like the second half of the movie that I wasn't sure where they were going when it was the train part of it at the beginning when they were robbing the train that at that point really the first half feels like an episode of Firefly that when you're watching it it is a space western and it is absolutely really good but it's not Star Wars it felt like you were watching an episode of Firefly which is not bad but it's just not Star Wars. So the second half of the movie, I, th- I thought, had a lot more of a Star Wars feel to it. So I really, really liked it. And like you said, I loved Lando, but I love Donald Glover. That I've been a fan of his since I saw him for the first time on Community when he was playing Troy. And so whenever I heard, I've been a fan of his music as Childish Gambino. I'm a fan of, um, of uh, uh, his stand-up stuff that if you've never seen the stand-up special uh, Weirdo on Netflix, it's great. Uh, He was one of the writers on 30 Rock. He's he's just a fantastic actor and and musician. He's just talented all around. So when he got cast as Lando, I knew I was going to love it. So um, I loved him in that role pretty much all the way around, and especially him calling Han Han, just like Billy Dee did in the movies. Like You always hear Lando calling him Han, and they establish it it's because he's always it's an inside joke between them that when they first meet him he calls him Han and Han corrects him but then the rest of the movie he calls him Han and I really really liked that 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 they tossed that in just enough for people who were paying attention and Jennifer leaned over when I laughed at it at one point and she was like he always calls him Han doesn't he I'm like yeah he does and it just made me so happy that they did that Um, I really like Darth Maul Though I can't remember, I want to ask you a question about the Darth Maul stuff. Uh, like you said, I can't remember if it was in Clone Wars or Rebels at which point he did what. I think it was Rebels that he was a crime syndicate guy because uh, Clone Wars was just the Dathomiri stuff. But is he Black Sun? Is that what he's uh, in? Uh, is that what he's in charge of, or what syndicate was he in charge uh, of? I don't remember. They mixed it all up when they wiped out the old canon, and yeah. Clone Wars is one of the few things that was part of the old canon that's still part of the new canon. So things are kind of convoluted. I'm not actually sure. Like Crimson Dawn and Black Sun, and like what yeah. goes with what exactly. So I don't have a good answer. Yeah, because I was I was really curious about that because. Kira's with Crimson Dawn, and I was like, but the little signet ring looked like it could have been a black sun. And so I just didn't know. I couldn't remember on that one. But I liked him, and I loved Lando's droid, L3. L337 is so great. And I love the fact that her her numbers are L337. So it's like Leet for for like internet stuff. Like it's great. And so they just called her L3. It's wonderful. And the the actress Jennifer and I had to look it up that she uh was not voiced by Gwendolyn Christie because she sounds like a really sassy phasma if you uh, if you listen to her and we were uh, we had to look it up and it's not it, it's somebody we didn't know at all but I love the fact that a Hans in, or that Lando's in love with her that um it, that. He actually is the joke of when Amelia Clark uh, looks at her or uh, Kira looks at her and goes, how would that even work? And she's like, oh, it works. And just that line, just that was one of the best lines in the movie for me. And then knowing why the Falcon is a she that Han always calls her her calls the Falcon her. We know for real that it's a she that that the Falcon identifies as a she because of L3. And I find that 
truly fantastic. Yeah, and that was so, cool. So those are the main things that I really liked about the movie, like just straight up. I liked that. I also liked that it's a Western and that it followed Western conventions but didn't necessarily fall in all of the the uh, Western tropes and the heist tropes and kind of that dark crime movie trope thing. So like the just kind of there's me, the kind of mad I'm I'm on the fence about are is Amelia Clark actually casting Daenerys Targaryen in this because for a long time I didn't see Kira. All I saw was Amelia Clark. Like I know her, she's too recognizable to be in a Star Wars movie. Well, I can get over Lando. I can see Donald Glover just as Lando and fall in. For some reason, Amelia Clark just looked for some just her standing out. And later on, it clicked and I was fine with it. But it took a long time for me not to just see her. Um, and I don't think I ever see Woody Harrelson when he's not Woody Harrelson. I mean, he's he's just Woody Harrelson and yeah, everything and every movie. That's one of my things. I'll I mean, get to that was in a second here. I. I I agree. And 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 to me that's not necessarily a bad thing for him. Like Amelia Clark is just kinda eh, but I'll end up liking Kira. Um but with Woody Harrelson, it's like whether he's in Hunger Games or or Cheers or Natural Born Killers or whatever it is, he's Woody Harrelson. Zombie Land, anything, I don't care what he is. That's just who he is. And I see him as that. So that 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 can even be considered here or there on good or bad in this movie. But with Amelia Clark, like what I really liked is that the writing and Jennifer Culp pointed this out was that she didn't fall back on that betrayal trope that even though at the end she did not go with Han that that they ended up splitting up he didn't get what he wanted out of the relationship but she didn't betray him she betrayed her boss and she did everything that she could to take care of Han and set him up and put him in a good place but she also did what was best for her so it was a it was kind of a, a turning that trope on its head that yes she didn't go with him and it wasn't the two of them riding off into the sunset but it was also not that she was screwing him over that she wasn't uh, putting one over on him it was her doing good for him as as much as she could and then while retaining the power uh to be the the next crime lord basically and um Jennifer pointed out, and I didn't even notice this as it went through because it's just part of it, that when Han was about to apply for the military and he saw the Imperial propaganda, they play the Imperial March as the music in the propaganda ad. And that means that the Imperial March exists as the Imperial March in the Star Wars universe. That it's not just a soundtrack from John Williams, that they have actually included it as sound within universe. So the Imperial theme is literally the Imperial theme in universe and out. And Jennifer noticed that, and that's something I would have never even thought of. Well, I guess the thing about the actress and like Woody Harrelson and all that, that kind of gets into let me just start my nitpicks here (laughs) um like i do not like that star wars has always been better because they cast unknowns so you never right they don't always do it but if they cast someone more well known it's usually like a side character that's not in it for very long there's a couple exceptions like you know Qui-Gon Jinn like and I guess Amidala like you know Sam Jackson uh... yeah there's some but I don't know. It's never been more in your face than it was in this movie. That's like this person's popular. So we're casting them. And that really bugged me because I couldn't unsee her as Daenerys. I couldn't unsee Woody Harrelson. I couldn't unsee Maeve as the, I don't even know what her name was in this because she was barely in it. She was just Maeve for a little bit. Like none of those worked for me. I wish they did more unknown actors and actresses because 
maybe that's why Han worked so well for me is because like because I didn't, I didn't know, him. know him. Yeah. yeah, I had no preconceptions coming in on him at all. And also, yeah. I like Paul Bettany. Um, that whenever I heard like Paul Bettany's one of those actors that uh, that I love in everything. I've loved him since he was Chaucer in A Knight's Tale with with uh, not not Woody Harrelson with Heath Ledger and. He is awesome. I mean, he plays Vision for goodness sake. That it's funny that that he is terrifying as the, I can't remember his name now. This crime lord, and he is. It doesn't matter. Full of Nothing in this movie matters. I disagree. And uh, the uh, that's how I feel about Rogue One. And uh, but I, I wish I could remember his name. But he's terrifying. But Vision is just so calm and wonderful. And it's that same voice and same actor. Says, I really like him where I don't even see him anymore because I think he's such a good actor. Uh, okay. But he was one that I really liked in there. But yeah, I mean, I agree. Whenever I heard about the casting in this movie, the only one I was really excited about was Lando. And it's because I'm a, I'm a Donald Glover fan, not because he was cast as Lando. Okay. So <laughs> I have a bunch of problems. Let me just go right. here for a minute. So, the, one of my biggest problems with the movie is that it's like, hey, remember everything that ever was hinted at in Han's backstory? What if all of it happened in like four days, like in one movie? <laughs> like, seriously. I, d- I didn't even notice this until you put this note. Like, I knew all this stuff no, was no, no. going to be in the movie. Join the Empire, free Chewbacca, meet Lando, free the slaves on Kessel, do the Kessel run in under 12 parsecs, win the Falcon from Lando, get your iconic blaster. Every single thing that's ever been hinted at that's interesting about him, which honestly, they probably should have taken each of those things and they could have made it its own discrete movie and hung the entire thing on that no we're gonna pack all of it into one movie that happens over the course of three or four days why why like oh i just and then when why did they have to be so explicit with all of it yeah. too. Oh, they were too. It's like it's that is bad. It's like they don't trust the audience at all. They won't let you read between the lines. They have to no. put it right in your face. And even right up through the end when it was Emphis Nask, like revealed, you know, that she's a, yeah. a person and she's fighting back and she's like, We're gonna use this fuel for rebellion. And when they said rebellion, it just made me cringe inside. Really? Like the movie did not need that. Like you can even just say, We'll use it to fight back or we'll push back against the Empire. You not everything has to be be about rebellion it is it is such a it doesn't fit with the tone of this movie and to go out of the way to say maybe someday you'll reconsider and join us nudge nudge wink wink audience nudge 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 like it's so bad i don't know how that made it into the final cut and yeah it it's like those are my biggest gripes with the movie is that you know what one of my friends online said that we were talking about this she said there's no reason it had to have literally every scrap of story that we already knew thrown in here and that is that is my number one complaint like why did you do that why didn't you just pick one of these interesting things and then build an entire movie and have that be a little piece of it instead of cramming every little thing into this just so you have to have it all explicit for the audience and i, I mean it made me it felt so incredibly safe as a movie. Like it didn't yeah. push expectations at all. And I love Star Wars when it's pushing expectations, when it's trying new things, when it's being weird. Star Wars is at its best for me. And, and that's why, for the most part, whenever I think about it now, that The Last Jedi works so well is because that's what it did. And there are so many, so, so much backlash for it. But that's what I like about The Last Jedi is that it's completely different. And well, the more and, I sit on it, the happier I am that it's not a typical Star Wars movie. And the more I think about this movie, the more I get 
not upset by it, but the the less I like it and the more it bugs me because huh. I mean, and some of it is in the marketing too. Like it was it was marketed as like a fun heist movie, right? And instead, it was this like dark underworld story. It didn't really have a lot of fun in it, and Star oh, see, Wars now, usually I... has some fun in it. Oh man, I disagree. See, I thought this one was way fun. Like this, this movie is wasn't my fun. Like I thought this was fun and watching, and I was laughing a lot during I was this cringing movie. Cringing a lot in this movie. I think oh, almost man. everywhere you laughed, I was probably cringing because why did probably. they have to shove that in your face? Where is the subtlety? It's not in this movie. I'll tell you that. And I mean, I'll agree on like putting everything in there. There was one thing. Well, there was one thing that I really liked that they put in there that I I half cringed at when I saw it because i'm like i know exactly why you did it but han shot first at the end whenever he killed oh my uh, gosh whenever he oh. killed uh, woody harrelson like yeah I he know shot he first like, everybody knows were, he did like that's the thing it was so on the nose but at the same time i'm glad that they did it because it was I don't even know why. Like, it's not even something that's good on that but one. It's just that, that I like it once. Like, if they did it once or twice throughout the movie where it's so on the nose, it would be fine. But it's literally everything they touch. They can't help but give it that kind of treatment. And well, and that that's is what partially. Me. I think that's where the directorial problems were coming in because the reason that the uh, the original director got kicked off of it is because he wanted to make the entire thing really tongue in cheek and uh, wink wink nudge nudge, and you can't escape that without reshooting everything. And they didn't have time or budget to do all of it, so they had to keep parts of it like that. And they Ron reshot Howard, most of the movie though. They reshot most of it, but there were still things like that that may. I mean. I don't know, but some of it, I mean, just they just had too much trouble putting it together. But yeah, well, I mean, there was I'll... no humor. Like it was, you know, it was billed as like a fun heist movie, and it was also kind of, you know, marketed as like there's funny stuff in here. It's going to be like humorous. It was not a humorous movie. Like I didn't. Laugh. I don't know. See, I thought it was so funny. See, I loved this one because of that. Because I thought there was a I lot more character and life time. in this one than there was ever in Rogue One. Like these were characters I cared about and I liked to watch, as opposed to Rogue One, where I literally still to this day don't know any of their names except for jen i mean i know jen this made me appreciate rogue one so much more because rogue one actually added to the story of star wars all this did was just fill out some details that we already okay. know and i know you feel like that about rogue one but like rogue I'm one cur- i'm curious like, i can like, see I- the argument that it wasn't a story that needed to be told but i felt like in hindsight it 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 added to the universe it probably didn't need to be told but it gave us more context and it gave us interesting things this one didn't give us anything that we didn't know already like everything in this movie was something that we already knew where rogue one you can't say that for it you could say i can't think of anything in rogue one that i didn't already know though like what did it add like and this isn't me even being contrary like i'm actually curious because i feel that happened with both of these movies like that they both didn't need to be told and that they didn't add anything specific to the narrative but i don't i don't know what rogue one added that we didn't already know I mean, Rogue One, basically, like, for the overall story, like, where it contributes to Star Wars is, like, Act 3 and then uh, the epilogue. So the whole thing where basically the part that sets up episode four right like that is what it added to star wars mythos the the first two acts of the movie there are pacing problems and there's other issues with the first two acts of rogue one and you know the characters are not going to be iconic forever but 
the whole part with like how the Death Star plans actually got to the Rebels and the desperate chase that leads into Episode Four was something that we never knew anything about. It was just like we have the plans. That was all that we knew, and they fleshed that out into a whole movie. Whereas with Solo, it was just like here's all the things that you ever knew about Han. We're gonna show you them again, but explicit this time instead of just hinted at. But you already know all of these things. Well, part of part of that is that I think it added to Han himself that because a lot of it that we're approaching it with is that we knew because we're Star Wars fans that a lot of people didn't know going in because it was from EU stuff it was just hinted at elsewhere and I mean that was part of what I liked about it is that it didn't add to the overall story but I thought that it added to the character of Han and it wasn't even so much that added anything that we didn't know or didn't have a feel for already it was that he it was just that it added more to his character and And um, i don't i didn't think it added anything more see the the thing that would actually be more interesting to me at this point is now that they've gotten this movie out of their system where they just rehashed everything and tried to sell it to us again if they actually took these actors and they made a sequel to this movie i feel like they've gotten this out of their system and they might actually add to the character next time no that's i didn't get anything added to the character this time at all okay I mean, I, I can really say that, and that's not an okay in the uh, in the dismissive way like it sounded like I realized when I said it. It's an okay as in, yeah, I mean, I, I can totally understand that. Yeah, well, and but, like, I, mean, okay, I had to get that off my chest because it's been building up for, like, over a week now. It's been, uh, right. like, just bugging me. But all of that said, I didn't hate the movie. I just thought it was it was a mediocre movie, which is a letdown for the Star Wars universe because every Star Wars movie has left me feeling so good about it that to walk out of one and be like, it was okay is a letdown again it's grading on that star wars curve just like we grade on the marvel curve you know yeah um that's why it bugged me i i didn't think that it was a mediocre movie in general i thought it was pretty good for like a a movie movie but for a star wars movie it just wasn't there for me and like i said i walked out of it feeling kind of like when i walk out of a quote-unquote bad marvel movie it's not actually a bad movie compared to all movies it's just bad on that marvel scale so Overall, I thought that Solo is trying to tell a story that doesn't need to be told, and it tells it in a very clumsy way, and it has all sorts of prequel problems that you run into just like any time you do a prequel. Um, But, I mean, with all that off my chest, if they want to come back and give a sequel to this movie... I'm actually a lot more interested. Like if they can get one director with one vision and now that they've gotten all of this like just junk out of their system where they had to be so on the nose and show us everything that we already knew, they almost have to build the character after this one because they've used all their material. And they won't because it flopped so bad. Like it did oh, not make money. And that's the, that's the sad part is because it didn't make money and it won't get that sequel that, that would be really cool. But I think, you know, to go on what you said, like going into the dislikes that I had with it like you didn't mention two of them that i fully expected you to because they were the cringeworthy moments for me in that is that well tell um, me yeah no tell me i'm looking at your list now uh, okay so well, apparently you and i disagree on the castle run i actually like that sequence but i get okay, the yeah. argument against it yeah. i totally get the argument against it i mean i like the sequence like don't get me wrong that scene and everything that was going on i yeah. thought was fantastic and i loved it i thought that the actual uh logistics of how they were trying to make it like the way that they were talking about it with the parsecs like they could have done it better like okay. i hated okay. the them way trying that you to feel make it about that sequence that is how i feel about this entire movie does that mm. make sense it's like it does 
uh, any any given sequence, any given scene, I didn't hate the scene or the sequence. It's the way that they constructed it like that that just bugged me. And what really gets me about it, and, and it's with a lot of this stuff too, the Kessel Run, I'll use the Kessel Run as an example and then the next two. Because the Kessel Run, they didn't have to, it didn't have to be forced the way that it was, that it was script writing. That was the issue here. Because it's like, okay, he does the Kessel Run. They start they, they even establish that it's distance and that you have to that it's too long. There's only this one route through the the nebula and just all this. They establish exactly what it is. But the way that they do it, they don't actually lead up to it and talk about how they're that what the Kessel Run is. They don't actually that people would try this before. They just start calling it that after they establish it. And then they then at the the point at which they cut the um, whatever it's called the cut into the nebula, they don't talk really about it being a shortcut and that it's going to cut parsecs off. They just say we have to go here because it's quicker. So they don't establish it that it's that it's distance. And then at the very end of it, when they get onto whatever the refinery planet was called, he's like, I made the Kessel run in under twelve parsecs, and it's just like. Yeah, okay. That nobody cares now because you didn't establish this and write it correctly. You didn't lead up to that meaning anything. And so that really got me. And uh, where it was just like that was forced. But what made me actually cringe and think that I was going to full on hate this movie. Not even just dislike this movie a little bit as a Star Wars movie, but I thought I was going to hate this movie because I hate these points that that Han spoke Shiriwook. Okay, I wanted to punch somebody when Han was lying in the mud and went, because whoever thought that was a good idea ought to be dragged out into the street and punched in the throat, because it is stupid. There is no reason for that, because it establishes that Chewie understands English. It has been established. The rest of the movie, he didn't say anything in Shirawook. You know that Chewie understands him in in basic, actually. So let me nerd out on this one. And so when he's speaking basic, and then... They they could have done it in a way that Chewie would have growled at him in that same scene and Han respond in the exact same way that he has responded in all of the other movies. And no, you don't want to bite my head off and feed it to your gerbil or whatever it would be. And Chewie would have stopped and been like, oh, you understood me. How is that possible? Where that's all it would have taken. Instead, they had him and try to speak it and sound like an idiot. I hated that. If you couldn't tell, like yeah, it, it was no, I can tell. Awful. Well, and I see, I see your issue with Corellia too, which I I question that, but I also think this is the first time we've actually seen Corellia in the new canon. In the new canon, it is okay. So Corellia in the old canon was pretty and green and rolling, kind of this Edenic paradise world, and it, it is was like a Corellia in the old the canon po- was the best of. Naboo and Coruscant mixed together, basically. Yes. And now it is Detroit Android City. And yeah, apparently. It is, it is it is a trash heap. It is a slum. It is Nalhuda. And there is and, and and really, even I understand them making that choice that there would be a slum, but not Corellia the planet, because it is the primary place where all almost all of the starships are made outside of the Kuat drive yards, and there is no way that the capital city, Coronet, would be an entire slum. 
Like it doesn't make any in-universe logical sense why the one of the biggest, most robust com- commerce cities and planets in the galaxy would be a crime-ridden, just underslum. That that even if it's not pretty, I don't understand why that's the case. I thought it was like set in a certain sector. Of the city? I thought that's how they got away with I would need to rewatch the movie, which I'm not going well, to do what, anytime soon. Well, one thing that I noticed was something, they did the same thing that they did with Jakku, is that he was talking to somebody and was like, yeah, I'm going to get this ship and I'm going to go back to Corellia. And they're like, I don't hear that very often. Like, people wanting to go back. And it's like, what? But but Corellia is good. And so they made the entire place be terrible. And then, like, the same place when he's talking about that, when he gets his friggin' name? Okay. Oh, that was bad. That was oh, bad. Oh, that was bad. Like, it was too on the nose for me. Like, it was too terrible. Like, okay, so so Han... Okay, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, and you're, you're, you've already been spoiled on stuff anyway, but Han Solo's not his name. His name is Han. He doesn't have a surname. He doesn't have a family name because he's a street urchin. He's Aladdin. So that's fine. Let him not have a last name. He goes and signs up for the military, and they need a last name. That's great. He signs up for the Empire. And they're like, what's your last name? And in the movie, he's like, uh... And he's like, who's your people? And he's like, uh, don't really have any people. And the guy's like... Oh, and he thinks about it for a second. He's like, hmm, solo. And he's like, because he doesn't have any people. I was like, oh my God, no. And like, even if they had written that differently, they wanted it to be a something that was given to him when he joined the Empire. It could have been really easy because he had just been split up from Kira. They had been blocked at the, uh, the checkpoint. And he could have looked back at her, been longing, and said, I guess I'm solo. When they're like, who, you know, who's your people? Uh, like, who's your people or who are your people and he would have been like i don't have any and looking back at karen like i'm solo now and they would have, oh solo and gone with that i would have been fine with something like that but they played it like you said before that wink wink nudge nudge kind of of tongue-in-cheek the whole movie where, plays itself that way and and it's like there are mo- and it does. Get, don't get me wrong. I, I can appreciate that for 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 where you're coming from. Why you don't like it? But these were the moments I feel like that original director came in, and uh, like they didn't take these out for some reason. And this part, I thought I was going to hate the movie entirely because of the Shiri Wook part, and then him getting his name. Like I could deal with everything else in the movie, but those are two of the worst things I've ever seen in a movie. Ever, and I think they're worse than anything that they're they're Jar Jar Binks like like uh, like uh, Misa Obama bad kind of stuff bad like it's they're bad it's yeah bad and then like yeah you know like I said the Corellia stuff the Kessel Run thing but one thing I'm amazed you didn't mention is that for the like at least the first half of the movie the colorist basically just washed everything out made it too dark to see and it was like you were watching the entire movie at least my projector was like i was watching the movie uh, through two sets of 3d projector. glasses Ooh, was no. it because it was no, so it was dark. Your projector. like everything was dim for me no okay, i mean so- it starts a little darker like in the underworld but it's not actually super dark i didn't feel like that okay because even it, when he was in there with like lady proxima or whatever her name was like i couldn't even see her like she was just kind of barely there like it was so dark like even no, when they were got on a bad snow movie planet. experience we talked about that last because- time <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that, and that's fine. It eventually lightened up, even as a movie. I never noticed it again, but it was one of those things where I thought the colorist was just straight up off. Wow. And so, but that sucks. For like it was, it lasted maybe thirty minutes, 
and then it got into the brighter parts of the movie. But it's like uh, it's like watching The Handmaid's Tale in a bright room. <laughs> you just don't do it. <laughs> okay. Um. Wow. We okay. We had way more to say than I thought we did. I I want to talk about one more thing, and then maybe we just pick our top one geekery thing, and then we'll do a whole geekery right. episode next week because we both have a ton to talk about. And we this always happens with Star Wars. We should just it does come to the conclusion and that we, it will never yep. not happen because um, we thought but, we were going to get through this in maybe fifteen minutes. That didn't happen. And right um, now it's so in thirty six. Let's talk about uh, what's what's next for the Star Wars stories because this movie is tanking. Like it's it's not making not it's still making more money than everything else out there but if you know how like the movie yeah. industry works it's a matter of expectations and projections and budget right so for the budget of this movie and the amount of time and effort that went into it they were expecting to get like 150 million opening weekend i think is what I think they, they had after. said 151 and it came in at 83 yeah, yeah. 150 to 83 so it was uh it it significantly and like I don't want to yeah I don't want to obsess over the numbers except to say like it did not do what they expected it to do um so uh, I just don't think they know what they want these to be yet like it took them a little while to figure out what to do with Marvel and how they would have all these independent mm-hmm. stories they come together for Avengers split back up like they know what they're doing with the mainline Star Wars series the numbered saga but they don't really know what they want to do with the star wars stories and i think they're playing it super safe because of that and it's doing right. a disservice to the universe because like the rumored movies coming up are boba fett and obi-wan and like i really want an obi-wan movie i feel like there's a story there that could be told especially with ewan uh, mcgregor oh yeah like there's something to do the boba fett one just doesn't interest me at all i don't think i, I just don't i don't think i need that like i'll see it like it, you give me any star wars movie i will see it it's not really a question but I don't right. think Boba Fett is something that needs our time and attention. Um, I want them to do something think, to get away from established characters more than anything else. And they're going to do that with the Ryan Johnson trilogy, at least. I'm that so excited doing. for that. I am too, and I'm hoping it goes off into the uh, the the uncharted territories, and you see unknown all regions. The, that uh, unknown regions. Yeah, thank you. I, I don't know what I'm thinking. Maybe I'm think I don't know what has the uncharted territories in it. Um, but it's like, yeah, I, I want to know about that stuff and i'm cool with it being boba fett as long as it's not little kid boba fett that was in rebels and uh, clone wars like i would love to see adult boba fett stuff and I, th- I think that's great and i would love to see old man boba fett from the novels if they got him out of the sarlacc like they did in the old novels and you get crotchety old boba fett going through like he was in the uh the what was it the legacy of the force books that'd be great we won't get it we're going to get stupid young Boba Fett, but it, I don't want that one. And <laughs> okay. Though I did notice, you know, speaking of Boba Fett, just one last thing. Did you notice when he said that uh, Tobias Beckett, that Woody Harrelson's character killed Aura Singh and that he had uh, that he pushed her off a cliff or something? I think so. Yeah, that 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 was how he knew him was that he was the one that killed Aura Singh. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Just little things like that. I appreciate just them bringing up stuff in universe that, to tie stuff together. Yeah, I mean, this movie did make some things canon that used to be EU only, which is pretty cool, yeah. I suppose. But that's that's like such a peripheral benefit to me being let down by the movie, I guess. Understandable. Um, anyway, that's how we feel about Solo. Uh, not yep. the best Star Wars movie, but still pretty good compared to general movies. I think that's where we land. Yeah. You land higher than I do, but we expected that all along. Yep, we did. I mean, if you go back and listen to our Rogue One 
uh, recording on it and how we disagreed about it. At the end of it, we were talking about what we expected out of Solo. And I was like, I expect more out of it than you do, and I don't expect a lot. So it's uh, basically I expected a space western, and that's what I got. Uh, it was you know a little bit rougher around the edges than I would have liked. But like you said, you wish they would get rid of get away from the established uh, characters. And I want them to get rid of the established, get out of the established story. Stop telling the ones that we know things about. And even if you're using characters, we know tell us new stories about them please 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 yes next time um okay with that geek you offer of the week uh you guys can go to gameflyoffer.com slash geek and get a free one month trial on us you can get a game sent directly to you i've had a bunch of them lately and we don't have enough time to talk about any of this this week but next week we're gonna <laughs> do all geekery and i will catch you up on everything that i have tried and sampled and sent back and come to conclusions on um the network. Don't forget about the network. We love the network. Geekitude with Joe Hogan and Ray Vargas. I don't know what they covered this week because the episode's not out yet, but it's always fun to listen to. <laughs> um, tea time with Katie and Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea was moving. She was out this week. So Katie actually had Ray from the Geekitude podcast onto her podcast, and they talked about rom-coms, and it was a really good episode. I listened to it this morning. Um, and then the comic box had its last episode, so we can't let that go unmentioned, unnoticed. Yeah. Um, it was really good. Rob did like a huge episode of just Q&A and it, it was good. I'm sad to see it go, but Rob is taking a break and then he's kind of going to be like our not editor at large, podcaster at large for the network. He can jump in and guest host and show up on other people's shows to talk about movies, or I think he's going to do prep episodes for comic book movies on the Geektitude podcast. He will be around. He's not going anywhere. It's just that the comic box in particular is closed for now. So if you've ever listened to it, go check out the last couple episodes. They're really good. With all that said, it's time for Weekly Geekery. We're each going to pick one thing and talk about it, because that's about all the time we have for this week. <laughs> and I restarted Persona 5. I'm not even going to pick that. I'll talk about it next week. But you go first. What do you have? <laughs> um, well, I saw Deadpool 2. And this was what Jennifer and I were going to talk about last week. And uh, we ended up not. But I wanted to talk about it with you because you haven't seen it, have you? No. I've listened to a bunch of spoiler casts about it, but I have not seen it. And I probably won't get a chance to until it comes yeah. out at home, honestly. The, that was one I didn't expect you to have seen. I would have been a, kind of astonished if you had seen it in the theater. But it's one where it was a. It w I wasn't really excited about Deadpool two. It was something that I didn't necessarily want to go see, and Jennifer did. And it was way better than the first one. And I really liked the first one. But once they got away from that origin story thing, like you were talking about that you hate so much, the uh, they were able to just tell this story, and they did so many fun things with this movie. They play they they played with pretty much everything. And when you give Deadpool time travel because they brought in uh they brought in cable in this one so he is uh, so there's time travel immediately it it really does some fun some fun stuff and they they just cast this one so well it's well written and it's well cast that when they brought in the x-force stuff they knew exactly what they were doing to make these characters fit into the 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 deadpool style of the marvel movies here where domino is a character who i've never cared anything about in the comics but i need them to put domino as a main character in another movie and i have a feeling she's going to be in deadpool 3 or maybe they're calling it x-force instead of deadpool 3 but it's she is awesome that that i know i read or jennifer read or one of us read and told the other that they had they had showed this movie to test audiences 
and they told them that they needed to have more Domino in it, so they went and re-edited it to put more of her in it because people liked her so much. And she really is that fantastic in the movie. And I also love Cable. Like, they did a great job with Cable. And I didn't even realize, because I'm kind of stupid, that it was Josh Brolin playing playing Cable in this movie as well. Uh, and I say as well is because he's Thanos in Infinity War and all the other Marvel movies. So it was really weird to me to not notice that he was playing both of these characters in Marvel movies. But um, it was funny when Deadpool referred to him as Thanos uh, one time. That one was because, you know, Deadpool breaks the fourth wall constantly. So when he was referring to him as Thanos, it made me laugh so hard. Uh, but just everything they did about this one, this one was just fun to watch which is something i didn't have with infinity war and it's not that i mean i didn't get to do the infinity war uh episode with you but like i really did like infinity war but it was this one it wasn't fun to watch like it's not something it, it was very serious and very epic and this one told actually strangely enough a really personal story which i didn't expect out of deadpool i didn't expect to have way more emotions and and just just actual feels and feelings about deadpool 2 than i would infinity war after a 10-year build-up but i have more of an emotional connection to deadpool 2 which completely blew my mind and uh really made it one of my favorite movies I've seen in a long, long time. So if, you, if you're if you on the fence about seeing Deadpool 2 at all, and you're thinking about it, go check it out while it's in the theater, because it's, it is a lot more fun than I thought, and it was Jennifer who wanted to go see it, and I'm really, really happy that she did, because she was like, hey, you need to get out of the house, and I want to go see this. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And I went <laughs> and had a great time. I'm glad you liked it. That's good. Like, it was it was great. So Good. So I um, loved it. I... I beat a ton of games this week like i started and i finished one two three four five five games this week holy um, cow it was a lot i mean it was a holiday weekend and then i was sick a little bit last week like i had some time so like i said i think next week between you and i we're going to talk about a lot of games um, yeah i want to talk about detroit become human because it's probably the most okay. relevant time wise right now and also it came out on friday and i beat it on saturday and it was a good wow. solid like 10 hours of game maybe a little bit more okay. than that um but it is a sci-fi like ai based choose your own adventure game and like that right there is just kind of my wheelhouse like i really that, like you know choose your own adventure games that is your and I'm, jam i'm a sci-fi fan i love talking about ai all of that stuff um it has lots of questions about like personhood and what makes something or someone alive you know like consciousness and choice and free will and all that that being said there are problem i don't know if i want to say problems but there are very blatant like allegories for racism in this that i am not oh, yeah. even remotely qualified to talk about as like a straight white man in the suburbs like i can't even go there but things like you know android rights being a placeholder for all sorts of other marginalized people's rights and then like there's this whole thing where like androids have to be in the back of the bus like it it can't get more blatant than that there's an android compartment in the back of the bus that they have to stay in wow like it, it's stuff like that it's very in your face and it's not subtle even though the game was pitched as like oh it's gonna be something totally different no it's not related to racism at all it it is it is like I, um i don't know how they how they marketed like pre stuff like pre previewed it but all of the ads that i've seen for it it is very obvious that this is allegory for racism and marginalized people like there is there's is no way that it's not based on the television ads that i've seen 
okay, so maybe the marketing finally got with it, but in all of the like production interviews, the people who were in charge of this game were like, oh, no, no, we're doing our own thing, which is, it's not true at all. So if you've heard that, don't go into the game expecting that because it's very much like like racism that i mean you know it's a placeholder for racism um with like that being said the fact that's not handled super well and it's very in your face um i really enjoyed this game just like the the high production values and it's a choose your own adventure where choices actually matter uh, i think i told you when i played the demo you can see the whole flow chart of like all mm -hmm. your choices and how they affected everything in that scene that happens after every scene for the entire game and some oh. scenes are like a good half an hour worth of playing or maybe 45 minutes like they can be super long and just seeing all of the choices and how earlier the uh, choices in the game give me different options later in the game or lock off other ones i was so impressed that my choices actually matter and it it flows so smoothly like you can't see the seams at all where you can in a lot of other choose your own adventure stuff yeah. you know the choices actually matter and the production values are through the roof. So it's just like, okay, sign me up. Like I'm there for this game. Um, you know, you play three different Androids and you jump between vignettes with them, which it ends up cutting out all of the like non-essential parts of story. So you never have to deal with their, their boring parts in between interesting things. So the pacing of this game is actually awesome. Like it's nonstop beginning to end because anytime you wrap up a scene or a thought with a character, it jumps to another character. And by the time you get back to it, you've played through probably two more and enough okay. time has passed that they can be like anywhere that makes sense. So, and so is it played? I know like the three, like you've mentioned down here and you're getting right to that where the three, Three stories intersect with one another yes and from the main characters does that mean because the way they intersect and the way that they have structured them to go back and forth that they're happening concurrently at the same time or so that that time passes because you're in the other vignettes or is it just something where it feels like that for you as a player no they're mostly happening concurrently i don't know if it's a hundred percent that way but it's close enough that it works and okay. It's really cool. So one of the androids is like a special unit that's a detective android that's helping hunt for deviants. And deviants are androids that are gaining free will. I mean, it's Blade Runner, right? Like yeah. nothing in this game is unique, even though the creators of it would like you to think it is. We've seen all of these things before, either from history and like, you know, the history of like racism in America or just from sci-fi in general. Like if you take those two things as sources, nothing in this game is new, but it's the way that it's mixed together and it's the way that it's produced that like it still worked for me. Um, but anyway, like the, the androids that have free will or are coming into their own consciousness, they're called deviants. So there's one of the characters you play is um, he's a detective that helps other human detectives hunt for these deviants and the other two characters you play are deviants and so you end up hunting yourself at some points in the game which is really interesting and there's a couple scenes where the characters intersect and you actually have to control both sides of the conversation at the same <laughs> time because both of your characters are there that's really awesome like that part the gameplay for this sounds fantastic it is yeah i mean it's a quantic dream game which i haven't played much of their stuff but I know other people have, I think, Heavy Rain and oh, okay. Indigo Prophecy are the two, I want to say, are like they're more well known for. Um, so if those mean anything to you, it's the same team. It's the same developer. I always forget. No, it's Quantum Dream is the name of the developer. So like I said, 
this game was like right up my alley. It's choose your own adventure. It's sci-fi. It's AI. It's questions of consciousness. There's enough philosophy in it. And like, what's the meaning of consciousness and life and all that? Like it, it hooked me. It's not going to be for everyone. And that's totally fine. And there are probably all sorts of problems with the allegories and the parallelisms that they draw that I don't have any insight into as again, a straight white male in the suburbs. I'm just not even remotely qualified to speak to that. So take that with a grain of salt. The rest of it I stand by. Like it's a really interesting choose your own adventure game if you're into that kind of thing. And I know that I will never play this game. And and it and it's weird. It's not for anything that you have said. And the entire reason that I will never play this game is all of the advertisements I've seen, all the videos that I've I've looked at and watched for this. I despise the graphics on it. And it, because it has that weird, uncanny valley point of graphics that I've mentioned before, where it's just photorealistic enough to make everything in the game look super fake and call it out where there is no way, like, I hate looking at it. That it's not even a, it, it is a visceral reaction on, that's not real, stop it, that, uh, that it hits me with. And I don't, like, I was interested in downloading the demo, and then I saw the game in motion, and it was like, mm-mm, can't do it. Like this one, this one's not for me. Like for some reason, the graphics on this just hit me wrong. Some of that is honestly on purpose for the androids because they're I'm supposed sure. to feel that way. The The humans in the game are not, but some of it is like, especially the the deviant hunter, um, he's kind of supposed to feel uncanny-ish and not quite human enough. And that might, I'm not trying to defend it. Like it, I'm no, sure no, you still understand. feel like that because I know you and your approach to these things, but some of that might be intentional. Okay. Like I could, I could totally see it. That. That's actually something that, that I thought might have happened. But when I saw that some of the human characters in the videos were like that too, it was like, mm, yeah, it's yeah. not just, it's not just the, the, the actual synthetic people that they're trying to represent. Yeah. Oh, uh. Cool. Okay. Well, we both have a ton of games. You have JRPGs. I have other choose your yeah. own adventures and short form narratives. And I beat a Castlevania game. Kinda. I got to talk <laughs> about that and Marvel games and a bunch of game fly. I'm just looking through my list right now. I think next week we're just going to catch up on video games and talk about that for a good hour. Yep. And that's probably what it will actually be. Uh, just catching up on games like this. And it's really sad that because our, our topic was going to be about uh, choosing game consoles. And it turns out that it's going to be about all of these games which kind of ties in to some of it because these are the games that made us choose the consoles that we've we've done but we'll eventually get back to that uh to be able to talk about because it's evergreen but i'm we have gone through a lot of geekery this year we like have. We it's have, been great we actually though. yeah we try to embrace it i think it's working out well i think so too i like it and if you guys like it let us know that's something we want to hear from you we want to know what you think about uh the new structure this season as well so so shoot us an email let us know yeah you could even say that they could write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Uh-huh. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have the longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And we're on Slack, too, so if you want to let us know there, go to slack.geek2geekcast.com for your invite. And like we mentioned earlier, we are part of a podcast network, and you can see all of our shows at geek2geekcast.com. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. We're so glad that you're not dead, Void. And you, geeks. <laughs> That's morbid. Do something Star Wars related instead. Uh, bzz-
wasn't in there at all. Like I've done that no. before. Do something else. Uh, uh, pew, 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 pew. Okay, acceptable. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.